0: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan, and today's episode is sponsored by SiteHub.
1: We just uh, quietly grow the business, and it's been a really good thing doing those as partnership.
0: Today on episode 484 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of Aspiring Entrepreneurs, Sophie Howard. I'm going to ask Sophie how to find a niche in the market where you can establish a profitable presence and much more. Find out more about Sophie along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Sophie, I want to tell you a little bit about how you can stand out from your competition. It's a noisy world out there. Your business is unique, and you want someone on your team who can really help you smash through the digital chaos and get noticed by your ideal customers. With the capabilities to meet all of your marketing needs, SiteHub can make your unique vision come to life. And for my listeners, SiteHub is offering several free marketing tools to help you grow. You can get your free copy at SmashingThePlateau.com slash SiteHub. That's SmashingThePlateau.com slash SiteHub. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Now let's welcome Sophie Howard. Sophie has started and sold six and seven figure brands on Amazon. She specializes in product sourcing around the world to build premium brands. Sophie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, David. Great to be here.
0: Sophie, why do you do what you do?
1: Good question. Uh, So it was partly necessity and partly a bit of motivation around making some big lifestyle and financial changes. So almost exactly five years ago from now, I had a little uh, three-month-old baby and a very busy two-year-old son. And I was trying to juggle the day job and um, running the household and paying off mortgage payments and just how hard I was working versus how far I was getting ahead, and I knew I had good skills and I was doing a great job at work, but that mortgage was a killer, and I wanted to be at home with the kids, so I had a really good look around everything that I could see people doing online, and there's so much smoke and mirrors with you know people promising all these business opportunities, or you know such and such guru will tell you how to do whatever you know multi level marketing or eBay or Amazon, so I had a good look around at all sorts of online business models that I could run from home. And I live in New Zealand, so I'm a long way away from any customers, so it had to be online. And I really liked the Amazon model because I could see that there were real products being sold to real people. It wasn't some ethereal bubble pie in the sky, you know, trading binary options or crypto or something that's kind of interesting, but you've got no control over. So I just liked that it was very tangible and quite a simple business model and also very low capital to get started. So I kind of self-taught some bits, launched some products, did a course, pretty much ignored most things on the course because I didn't think their product strategy was up to much. And then just kept following the kind of products I'd been launching successfully, which it turns out are quite different from what most other people sell. But thanks to getting started five years ago, I've been able to give up the day job and I've sold one business for over a million dollars and sold another one for a few hundred thousand. And so it's just completely changed how I live. I was uh, doing the nine-to-five grind and up with kids all night and now I live in sort of the dream location, work very, very part-time hours with my products side of the business, do a little bit of helping other people with their Amazon businesses, which is good fun. And then I have quite a bit of travel. So I go and source products myself in person all around the world. So I do two or three really fun trips a year overseas. So it's a mix of kind of being quite lucrative, quite good for lifestyle and lots of learning opportunities too.
0: So in the beginning you were managing two kids, a day job Mm -hmm. and starting something on the side.
1: Yes. So we went from having two cars because I was hoping to not go back to work after maternity leave. And in New Zealand, I'll probably get lynched by your listeners when they tell you this, but we get two years maternity leave, uh, which is pretty special in New Zealand if you work for government. And I was in the foreign office. So I had this one-off opportunity. It was my second child. Um, I could see how busy running a family was going to be. And despite being on a pretty good career track. I could just see that wasn't going to be the way to get ahead. I was in a really high pressure work environment where there were other kids there doing, you know, three times the hours a week that I could ever put in and seriously driven. And I'm a bit more of a lifestyler. I'm not that motivated by money. I just want free time and fun. I want to have a good sort of quality of life day to day. So, yeah, I was pretty motivated to make it work. So because we'd had two cars, my husband and I, when we were both working in town, I decided we would go down to one car and I would use those funds. And it was a really cheapy old car. It wasn't anything flashy. And so I used the funds from selling the second car to get started with the Amazon business. So I put $300 into my first product uh, without very high expectations, assuming I'd be kind of just doing a few test runs to learn the ropes before anything worked. But that first product did $1.6 million in sales in the first year that I'd spent $300 launching. And so I got a bit hooked on that game, as you can imagine, and just did lots more products.
0: So what is the Amazon model that you refer to?
1: So there's a few ways you can partner with Amazon. There's selling other people's brands, but there's also a model called private labeling where you work with an existing manufacturer who already makes a product, and then you basically rebrand it as your own. It's called private labeling, and you own that new brand. It doesn't need to be a massively novel product, or there's no invention or real design or product design required, just nice packaging, few tweaks to the features maybe, but very simple products are the ones that seem to go best. If it's something really complicated, people don't buy it from Amazon anyway. And then um, I ship it into Amazon's warehouse direct from my supplies. So because I live in New Zealand, if things arrive by mail to me here, it's going to take weeks and cost a fortune. So I just use Amazon's FBA warehousing service. So they do all the warehousing, all the picking and packing and shipping, some of the customer service, and then they just pay me every two weeks. So I just get a payment straight into my New Zealand bank account once every two weeks. And I spend some of that on new products and replenishing stock I've sold. And some of it you know, goes on mortgages or holidays or just investing in other stuff. So it's been really steady cash flow, although you'd imagine that scaling up a products business would be quite lumpy. Because I started with such tiny orders for a new product, when I've had to restock, it's still been hundreds, maybe a thousand or two. But I've never had to borrow from the bank or max out credit cards for the business. So um, I just like that private label model because your margins can be about a third. And if you're just competing to sell somebody else's brand, you own nothing, really. You're just trading. And the margins are much tighter, too. And you've got to compete for each sale. So... I far prefer that private label model, having had a good look at all the pros and cons. The biggest con, of course, is you've got to do a bit more work at the beginning and you have to buy the product up front.
0: So for you you mentioned that at the beginning you did a fair amount of research and you also, it sounded, did you say that you paid some other people for like courses and, and stuff? To-
1: yeah, so I knew a friend locally who had been selling on Amazon and doing pretty well and he told me the course he'd done and so I signed up for the same one, but it really, it was fine. I mean, they didn't tell you anything that was plain wrong. And some of them out there do, it was, you know, it was pretty straight. Some of them are very dodgy. Um, but this, this was a really kind of basic entry level thing. But if you only followed their strategy, you'd be doing what thousands of other people were doing and it just wouldn't work as everybody was just gravitating towards these really obvious same, same products. And, um, they're kind of relying on software tools to pick the products, which isn't a very smart move because everybody's using the same software tools and then picking the same products. So I kind of went and did something that was much lower volume as sort of the size of the product opportunity, but Amazon's a huge marketplace. You know, there's, you don't need to be going after the biggest best sellers to make a lot of money. You can have 10 smaller products that, um, attract far less competition and drama were way more profitable and um just have a much quieter life and build a little portfolio and also it's not very healthy to have all your eggs in one basket with one really strong selling product but not much else there so i didn't like the copycat model that a lot of people teach which is find a bestseller and basically rip it off that's a bit tacky and not very smart business either because if it's that easy to copy someone else then the next person can come along and copy you or the supplier can sell it themselves So, I've sourced products from different countries from where most people find their products. Most people go to China or through Alibaba find their products. And uh, my first product came out of Nepal um, from Kathmandu and it was made by a charity and it was handmade. It was just completely different to what other people are doing. But a lot of people buy gifts on Amazon and they want that feel good factor. They want something that's really nicely presented. It's almost more like Etsy products, but through Amazon. So, a bit more of the handmade. Artisany kind of feel to them rather than the mass-produced plastic stuff that people kind of need for their kitchen. But they're really cutthroat products. You know, try and win the garlic press game on Amazon and uh, you will be running at a very big loss for a very long time to even break into it. Whereas some of these weird and wonderful things I've done, I'm pretty much the only person selling them and got the, the place to myself. So it's kind of like a land grab and sort of like there's different patches of Amazon. So I go after the patches where no one else is really Seriously, selling,
0: right? Which is in reality, Sophie. It's good business sense for any kind of business. Go, go where there, where whatever you have is fairly unique, mm-hmm. and you can go deep into that yeah. niche.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's always worked for me, and I'm still gobsmacked by how many people are still using a bit of software to pick a bestseller, go to Alibaba, and just hope for the best and. They kind of think that because somebody else is making money on that product, it's evidence that they can. Whereas to me, it's obvious that that's not the one to do. They'd use teaching examples in some of these courses and everyone would go off and do the products and the demos. So, oh, my goodness, that's the worst thing to do. So it's just uh, interesting how people you know, see the same opportunity and interpret what to do quite differently. So whenever people ask me, what should I do on Amazon? Or can you help me find a product? There's no point sort of giving somebody one product at a time, they need to understand what to look for in a product. So I've got a big bunch of criteria that I look for both with the product and the supplier. So a lot of my suppliers will give me exclusive rights for Amazon, or they'll let me have very favorable payment terms. And I don't beat them up around the head on, you know, cost per unit, you know, hammering them on the cost you know for every unit getting that really low i'd much sure rather they made a bit of money and were really happy to just lock me in as their only customer for that product and then i can keep the price nice and high and then afford to pay them a bit more and they like working with me and can just ignore all the other silly questions from all the time wasters inquiring about products that they'll never order they can just take those products off alibaba or most of my non on alibaba but those suppliers can just um say no to all other amazon inquiries and uh, we just uh, quietly grow the business. And it's been a really good thing doing those as partnerships rather than just seeing the product side as a source of, as a kind of a cost. I see that as a really fundamental part of the business. And if you don't have a good relationship with your supplier, really high trust, them feeding you product ideas and you know thinking about your business for you, then it's really tough because you've got a zero relationship and you're just trying to churn out products from suppliers where there's no connection, especially if your supplier's in Asia, they find that really strange. And um, I see a lot of sellers, well, a lot of my suppliers tell me that other customers of theirs are just awful to deal with. And they're always bumping me to the front of the queue ahead of their orders. Or, you know, they tell me I'm getting the really quality stuff and, you know, the orders where they've been squeezed too much on price, you know, they, they won't be as good. So... It's been really interesting. I've had invitations to suppliers, weddings in Nepal and in China, and i has been invited to tea tasting trips around Sri Lanka. One of my businesses was selling tea and I've had some great trips and, you know, new friends out of it, not just the hard number side of the business, because any product that you sort of buy and sell now in 50 years, you probably would never even remember what it was. Whereas some of these trips I've had and people I've met, they've been kind of bucket list experience of a lifetime kind of stuff you know just took a group of people to the Taj Mahal on a product sourcing trip to India so we went to a trade show for a week and then we did all these sort of side trips and just fantastic people and you know just real sort of richness of life not just the dollars that you earn each month from your business
0: yeah absolutely and and what sounds like you're doing is you're you're looking for an intersection of a need of for a supplier and or Or, a group of suppliers and a group of customers, and creating a scenario where everybody wins,
1: yeah, exactly, because if the supplier is making no margin, then you know they have to do something differently at their end, which isn't going to work very long? And yeah, I just think I don't know. I just found that by putting a bit more effort into the supply relationships, they've really, really looked after me, and they've been kind of a secret weapon throughout most of my product ideas now come from existing suppliers making suggestions. Or they go to a trade show, have a scout around for me. Uh, so that's been pretty cool. I'm not sitting online all day trying to think up searches for product ideas. They're kind of coming to me now.
0: Well, relationships are everything in business. Sure, yeah. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about online business or offline business. Still, people make decisions about buying and selling. And so mm-hmm. your relationships with those people are what's key.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I quite like, I used to work in a corporate kind of world. I did tech transfer stuff for university and then I worked in diplomacy and those are very peoplely jobs, whether it's the inventors or the investors or, you know, your counterparts from other countries that you're doing trade with or whatever. And it's really draining. I'm an introvert. So I, you know, I could do it, but it was exhausting big days. If you had a big day in the office followed by some networking thing at night, I was a write-off. Whereas this model really suits me because I can be at home. I can plan my day, get some exercise, hang out with the kids, take them to school, pick them up at three, do my work in an hour or two in the morning. But I'm not just bombarded by humans all day. So one girl works for me part-time and she's fantastic. She's in Australia. And she and I work really, really well. We sort of have this very high trust, fairly loose way of doing things. And everything just seems to keep working. And she's got a great attitude and um, frees me up even more hours each week. She's sort of part-time and I'm very part-time. And it just works really well. But if you uh, try and force it or, you know, you don't trust people or you're micromanaging them or, yeah, it's just it gets really tricky and you need to kind of enjoy quality people around you. And in this sort of products business, it's really nice because you don't need very many people at all. And if you do need one or two, they can be really good quality ones.
0: Right, right. Sophie, what's worked really well for you in terms of uh, being able to deliver consistent, stable revenue for your business?
1: Well, I've diversified quite a lot. So when I was selling my first bunch of Amazon products... I was nervous about resigning from the day job, and my day job wasn't even that well paid and if I went back, I'd have to pay for childcare, so really, I was barely making anything but I'm quite risk averse so as well as selling my Amazon products, I found a few local businesses who didn't have who had products but weren't on Amazon. so for a monthly retainer, I picked up a bunch of clients, and it was pretty dull, kind of you know just consulting work and following best practice, basically looking after their accounts like I looked after mine. And so we started out with kind of a monthly retainer, then moved to commission. Um, So that was kind of a nice way to diversify the income and also keep learning and use the skills I'd invested in for my own business. So that was fun. And then when people started asking me for help choosing products, the first few, I gave them a product idea. And then I used to spend a lot of time helping people for free. And I was repeating myself a lot. Then people wanted one-on-one coaching that they paid a lot for, but then my calendar was suddenly chock-a-block with back-to-back calls. So I then developed a coaching course, sort of a training program for what I look for on Amazon and how I choose products. So that worked really well. And that was another source of income. And I learned a lot from my students doing that too. So I've got a whole community around that coaching program. So that's um, through aspiring entrepreneurs and got a fully kind of comprehensive amazon course but also a facebook community and i do live coaching every week so i have to learn something new to teach something once a week which keeps me sharp and um, other things that have worked well was selling a business and so i got a big lump sum cleared the mortgage and built a new house from the first business sale and then sold another business which helped me get ahead as well so then the pressure was off and i could take bigger risks with new business development or new product ideas and then the product sourcing has just been a way of funding my expensive travel habit, really. So I keep finding really interesting products in really interesting parts of the world, not through Alibaba or sitting on Google all day, but by going to a trade show in India. In about four weeks, I'm taking a group to Vietnam to source products from a lifestyle trade show. that's all kind of home decor and arts and designy kind of products. So taking people traveling with me, I get to share how I travel and they enjoy the experience and wouldn't have done it on their own. I can help them choose products while we're on the ground. And then I, you know, charge a little bit for those trips, which means I can fund both the travel and some products for me. And that works really well. And it's just another source of income that when I see all the kind of the tech entrepreneurs who are kind of out of that really straight e-commerce background and, and Amazon sellers, They've got some skills, you know, they could build a fancy bit of software or they can do consulting or, um, you know, they can teach other people how they run their Amazon business or offer a service running their Amazon business. But this travel combined with product sourcing, combined with meeting and building relationships with suppliers, it's kind of a totally different skill set. And it really, really suits me. So I've done the, done lots of travel through um, the foreign office work source lots of unusual products from interesting parts of the world and other people like traveling. So that's been a really good one. And then last year I did some public speaking. So I've been on quite a few speaking tours and partnered up with a, another company who usually educate people looking to invest in property, but their audience was interested in some non-property opportunities. So did a bit of public speaking and that's been a really good life skill to get better at as well. And through that, then I've had invitations to speak at conferences. So I'm speaking at an e-commerce conference in Hong Kong next month. Last year I spoke in Singapore and LA and um travel a lot through Australia and New Zealand, teaching in the UK in the middle of this year. So I really love the travel and all of these things that I do now revolve around choosing profitable Amazon products. But I've just sort of tweaked it to suit my skills. So I'm not the world's best consultant. I don't really like the hourly rate stuff or being on the end of the phone or writing long reports, but I love traveling and I love talking to groups. So that works for me.
0: Right. And at the same time, you've been able to diversify your revenue.
1: Yeah. And learn a lot of new skills. So I found if I'm not learning, I get really stuck and sticky. So my brain always needs a new project to get sort of, you know, handle a handle on a new set of skills. So even if it's not something I would do myself, I like to fully understand something like drop shipping and then be able to teach a live coaching session on a Friday here are the pros and cons of dropshipping here are the people to follow or learn from if you want to do this here are the pitfalls here are some case studies of people who've done well and I really enjoy putting all that together to teach other people even if it's not something I'm doing myself Cool. and then I can point them in the right direction and sort of teach people to think critically and be a bit cynical you don't want to be too gullible in this game because there's so many shiny objects out there that if you don't learn to think for yourself Uh, then you can just get swept along, waste loads of time, waste loads of money and not finish anything properly.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense. Sophie, on a totally different note, whom do you know personally who has done a really remarkable job of smashing the plateau?
1: Well, there's some very impressive people that I come across in business. So I think the person who, I mean, I haven't met him in person, but I've followed him so closely for such a long time. That I feel I know because I listen to his voice for hours and hours is Russell Brunson. So he's developed the ClickFunnels software, and in this world of all the kind of the internet marketers, you know, launching and reinventing themselves with some latest business opportunity thing, he's just done a really classy job of providing a really easy to use platform. It's fairly priced, but you know, people run enormous businesses using his software, and he's got a really smart revenue model so he's got the subscription for the software and he does lots of free education he's got a really good couple of books three books now and he does a really great live conference and he's just built a really good community and a lot of the internet marketing world gets a bit sharky there's some you know really aggressive stuff goes on but he's just a really straight shooter and a really really good guy and he's just very reassuring when you see him or hear something he's you know recommending or something he's interested in i take a real interest in that because he's i don't know what his business would be worth now hundreds of millions i would say just huge so click funnels and then um, russell brunson i think are the most impressive people out there who but and he's got a smallish team but he's just done a really good job of doing one thing properly and sticking at it for a few years and lots of other people just jump around quite a lot and i'm guilty of it too i don't stick at the same thing for five years i do you know one thing a year that, um, yeah, but, but what you've
0: done is all around a particular core.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So
0: so it's not as jumping around as you might think it is.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, that's kind. Maybe. I don't know. It feels quite scattered. The sorts of people I'm interacting with or the you know, one day I'm speaking on stage in Australia, the next day I'm teaching in London, the next day I'm taking a group to Delhi, the next day I'm sourcing my own products in Vietnam then you know, and everything in between. But I have dropped the consulting like it just if I'm trying to preserve my time and um, stay sane and keep learning, then consulting sort of was the least appealing of all the things I was doing. So that was the first to go. And I had a business partner and he's taken over what we were doing together there. So that worked out quite well because he was, you know, that's sort of his background. He likes the professional services world and I'm a bit uh, faster and looser when it comes to how I do business. I don't like writing big reports or You know, I don't mind going to talk to a board about why we need to do a thing, but it seems like a very inefficient way to make a decision. Uh, But you can see why those big companies have to have that kind of internal decision making. But it drives me potty now that I've just got used to going so fast and just making my own decisions on the fly and just being able to rely on instincts rather than a business case. So occasionally I get it wrong, but my instincts have got better the more products I've launched. And I've probably done a thousand different products now.
0: Wow. It's quite a track record. So, what's coming up in the near future for you, Sophie? What do we have to look forward to?
1: Uh, so, I'm really starting to focus more on these sourcing trips. So, Amazon training is almost becoming a bit more of a commodity. Everybody's got a different strategy, but there's a lot of people out there teaching new starters how to get going on Amazon. So, there's a lot of stuff that's even free, never mind just competition. So, I think I'll keep focusing on my own Amazon brands. That's always number one job. So I'm launching a few more at the moment and one that I started about six months ago. I'll hopefully sell that business within the next year. So I'm just scaling that up now and it's got really nice margins. It's a really quality product. So looking forward to the third business sale. And then the other thing I'm looking forward to is taking 70 people to Vietnam in a few weeks and we're going to go and source products and do factory visits and go and see um, various interesting cultural sites and do some fantastic eating and go and see the best bits of Vietnam and just enjoy a tropical holiday in Southeast Asia, but with great company. So other like-minded entrepreneurs will learn a lot from each other. I'm taking five of the coaches with me who help me with my current students. So we'll have quite the A-team of my favorite Amazon sellers who work with me coaching, helping coach my new students. And yeah, that should be a really big adventure. And then we'll go to India again at the end of October. We'll do an India product sourcing trip as well. So I'm um, really looking forward to that.
0: Sounds great. Well, if you ever need to do some product sourcing in New York, let me know.
1: <laughs> I've never been to New York. I sold my last business to some guys in New York and I kept offering, would you like me to come over and do a handover? And they were like, no, no, this is all online. We've got all your training. One of the things I do is if I if any of my students who I've trained up how to do Amazon sell their business, I give the person who they're selling their business to, full access to all my training. So it's a really nice sweetener for my students when they're selling an Amazon business saying, here's the business, but you also get lifetime access to Sophie's Amazon training and community. So the buyers have got all this free education that comes with the brand they're building. And so I've got it all packaged up for somebody who's just bought a new Amazon business, how to do everything. So they had all that, so they didn't need me to come to New York, sadly.
0: Yeah, well, well we'll find another opportunity but in any case speaking of, yeah. of free access um I know you have a free gift for our audience um do you want to talk about it
1: yeah so um one of the things that people starting out on Amazon always want to know is what are the criteria for a profitable Amazon product so I've got that now uh, all written down in quite a lot of detail it's a bit smaller than an e-book but a bit bigger than a checklist it's maybe 8 or so pages and it's all the things I look for and all the things I avoid when I'm trying to find the perfect Amazon products. So lots of sort of hard metrics, you know, look for this sort of data, but also these kind of categories, these are really great niches that everybody else overlooks. Here's, um, you know, how I approach suppliers. So I've got a little bundle of stuff just to give people that high level view of the, kind of basically my strategy for Amazon products. So happy to share that with your listeners. So they can just uh, drop me an email We'll get it from the website. We'll give you links to maybe pop in the show notes. But sophie at aspiringentrepreneurs.com is my email address. And anybody wants um, the product profitable product checklist, then I can send it through.
0: Great. And if somebody just wants to go to your online resources and learn more about you, where would they go?
1: The website is aspiringentrepreneurs.com, and that should... uh, take you to, uh, my homepage. So I've got kind of an online only course, the option to do coaching in small groups or come on a trade show visit. Sounds good. It's kind of the three things I'm doing at the moment. So it's really good fun. We've got really nice people. We, um, got quite a small community. It's, you know, a couple of thousand, not tens of thousands. And, um, really kind of, I feel like I pretty much know everyone. Like I recognize all the names, know all the faces, Uh, There's a few people who are always more active than others who I get to know really well. And people that I do the small group coaching with, I get to know very well and travel with often as well. So it's a very friendly crew and everyone helps out the other new sellers and the more experienced members answer questions of the new starters. And um, yeah, it's just been very positive and supportive kind of community. And I haven't seen too many others where people are genuinely just looking out for each other in such a nice way. Yeah, so that's been good. I've enjoyed setting up a little online community, which is ironic because I hate social media. I don't use it at all myself. So, uh, but this Facebook group for my members has worked out
0: really well. It does sound ironic. Well, anyway, um, sounds great. (laughs) Sophie, congratulations on on everything you've achieved in the last five years. It's pretty awesome.
1: Oh, thanks, David. It's been good fun. Hasn't been all right all the time, but uh, most of it's tracking fairly well.
0: But overall, it sounds like you're moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, I think it's mainly because I quite enjoy learning. And so I don't mind learning as I start something, and not have terribly high expectations. And then I've always paid for good coaching when I need to learn a new thing as well. So that's always paid off really good investment just to get help from people who know what they're doing, whether it's starting a coaching business or, um, you know, for the public speaking, just getting you know off to a really strong start rather than fumbling your way through too much. But paying to learn is often the best investment ever.
0: Absolutely. Well, Sophie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been founder of Aspiring Entrepreneurs, Sophie Howard. Thank you again, Sophie, for joining us.
1: Thanks, David. Lovely chatting with you.
0: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Do you want to do a better job of smashing through the digital chaos and getting noticed by your ideal customers? I want to tell you a little bit about how you can stand out from your competition. It's a noisy world out there. Your business is unique and you want someone on your team who can really help you smash through the digital chaos and get noticed by your ideal customers. With the capabilities to meet all of your marketing needs, SiteHub can make your unique vision come to life. And for my listeners, SiteHub is offering several free marketing tools to help you grow. You can get your free copy at smashingtheplateau.com/sitehub. That's smashingtheplateau.com/sitehub. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.